0: coming up on transformers university we are going back to the year that was 1988 put on your acid wash jeans grab that can of aquanet and get ready to roll with it right now on transformers university my friend, and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucali, owner, operator, madman behind tfu.info, the website, the Toy Archive, TFU News and Views podcast, this podcast, and oh, so much more. And I want to welcome you to episode number 130 of Transformers University. Happy New Year. Uh, It's been almost three years in the making, but we've done it. It's time to talk 1988 here on Transformers University. We can put 1987 behind us, and we can move on. There's so much to cover as we flip the calendar over. New toys, new concepts, new TV series. Plus, we'll wrap up some of the carryover from 1987 and tackle all of our usual pieces of Generation 1 history. But before we get into that, let's set the scene and talk about the world in 1988. As you'll find in the next few minutes, Transformers was firmly entrenched in the cultural consciousness, but it was in a decline. In a pre-internet world, most things cycled out and moved on to the next big thing. The world was a bit of a different place, but what kind of world was it? Well, here's what was going on at the time. The year saw the United States in the midst of a presidential election, as we do every four years, uh, with sitting Vice President George H.W. Bush taking on Massachusetts Governor Robert Dukakis uh, to replace the outgoing Ronald Reagan. Uh, George Bush would go on to win the presidency, but would utter these famous words. Read my lips. No new taxes. And these words would be used totally against him four years later when he was defeated uh, for re-election by Bill Clinton. Also that year, as relates to the uh, presidential race, uh, there was a vice presidential debate uh, that had a line that would become more famous uh, than the debate or the folks uh, in the debate, really. The Republican, uh, then Senator Dan Quayle, uh, would eventually be vice president, would compare himself to a young John F. Kennedy. His opponent, Senator Lloyd Benson, would have this to say. Senator, I serve with Jack Kennedy i knew jack kennedy jack kennedy was a friend of mine senator you're no jack kennedy now that sounds familiar versions of that quote uh unplugging the words jack kennedy and putting something else in uh, have been used in popular culture probably ever since Moving to international news, Pan Am Flight 103 would be bombed by terrorists over Lockerbie, Scotland, uh, killing all aboard. We mentioned this flight back in Episode 98, and it's kind of why I wanted to bring it up here, because comic artist Dan Reed was scheduled to be on that flight and missed it. Uh, So this happened in 1988. Also in technology, Microsoft released Windows 2.1, and the first computer virus was written and distributed. Now, there were a number of important births in 1988 as it relates to Transformers. Stephen Capel Jr., the director of Transformers Rise of the Beast, was born. Devin Mack and Jessica Monceau, uh, those are voice actors from the BotBots cartoon. Uh, Kate Leth, the writer for IDW 2.0 and Cyberverse, as well as Priscilla Tramontano, who was a colorist for uh, IDW during their run with the Transformers comics. Also born that year, Alex Androsky, uh, a late friend of mine, they were part of the Stasis Pod podcast and they were also a colorist for hasbro in the early 2000s so uh uh yeah so alex was born that year so make sure you check out alex's wikipedia entry it's got some uh, interesting stuff on terms of what they can colored and did at that time now as we pivot from the late Alex Androsky. there were no Transformers-related deaths in 1988, but some celebrities of note, such as Sammy Davis Jr. and Dawes Butler. Now, Dawes Butler was famous for voicing a number of Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters, including Huckleberry Hound and Quick Draw McGraw. In fact, he would die just three days after the film, The Good, The Bad, and Huckleberry Hound was released, making that film the final time he would voice those characters. Now, speaking of films, the highest grossing movie in 1988 was Rain Man. 82, 82, 82. 82 what, Ray? How, how much is this? Toothpicks. It's a lot more than 82 toothpicks for Of course. 246 total. change. Ray, how many toothpicks for me? Um, 250. Pretty close. Come on, let's go, Ray. 246. There's four left in the box. 1980 good year for movies also released that that year Die Hard, cocktail coming to america which was partially shot down the road from where i grew up in queens they converted a wendy's into that McDougals, uh the wendy's on queens boulevard i think it's still there actually twins came out in 1988 a couple of baseball movies in bull Durham and eight men out and a whole bunch of, of sequels police academy five the nightmare on elm street four Child's Play came out the year it was a good year for horror movies too and Rambo 3 the most expensive movie of all time at that point when it was released also released in 1988 was the movie Big I don't get it (coughs) what exactly don't you get It, it turns from a building into a robot right precisely well what's fun about that well, if you had read your industry breakdown, you would see that our success in the action figure area has climbed from 27% to 45% in the last two years. There, that might help. Oh. Yes. I, I still don't get it. What? What don't you get, Judge? Well... There's a million robots that turn into something, and this is a building that turns into a robot. So what's fun about playing with a building? That's not any fun. This is a skyscraper. Well, couldn't it be like a, a, a robot that turns into, into something, like a, like a bug or something? A bug? Yeah, like a big prehistoric insect with maybe like giant claws that could pick <laughs> up a car and, and crush it like that. A prehistoric transformer. Interesting. Gentlemen... Mm. So the robot turns into uh, a bug. Ah, uh, gentlemen, oh, listen, listen, if to just go. got a very good idea here. The robot turns into a bug. Uh, yeah, this yeah, is a yes, great yeah. idea. Someone's right. a water bugs, yeah. Different sizes yeah. and, and things. A and and a thing. we could do ladybugs. You can have them wreck buildings. Transformers for girls. A, a building. building. Is yeah. an earth, yeah. bug? Ooh. all kinds of possibilities. This yeah. doesn't just happen. This guy just doesn't... This doesn't happen. You just don't... He doesn't just come to a meeting and say, bugs. Well done, Josh. Well. Uh, yeah. Now I feel like this scene needs me to do like an entire episode or a little mini episode on the Patreon because there are so many little things that are being said in the background. Um between the, the bug <laughs> a bug that turns into a robot and then the um the, they mention so there's someone in the background that that scene that says Transformers for Girls. I'm like, they kinda did that already. Um so this this clip is actually really important because they're referring to this skyscraper robot as a transformer even though transformers is a name brand right so in in the context of the film this is a toy company talking about their competitors and they're talking about transformers as not just as a brand but as the actual object and if you're ever wondering why uh, hasbro does the thing where they use the word convert uh, i refer back to this scene because they don't want that to become uh, so much part of the vernacular that they lose the brand transformers and other people can then take it. As far as business goes, they want to hold on to that, right? Like If you create a business and you create something that you want to sell off of, the reputation of, uh, you don't want that dropping into the uh, the vernacular of, of mainstream culture in a way that it's in danger. Now, one last note about this um, scene is <laughs> uh, this toy, well, not this specific skyscraper transformer toy, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, it, it does exist. There was a Playmobil figure released a couple of years back uh, that is a small little five point of articulation, legs, head, arms, uh, maybe it's about an inch and a half, two inches tall, uh, that was designed Based on the robot mode of the skyscraper in the movie Big, so the toy ended up actually existing, which I think is pretty cool, uh, even if it was you know decades after the film came out. Now, also released in 1988, and we'll talk a little bit about kids' movies and animation. Uh, Pound Puppies: The Legend of Big Paw was released and was probably the last of the big toy-to-animation films done, and it bombed hard. Uh, The budget for that movie was $6 million. The the box office for that film was $586,000. So basically, 90% loss (laughs) on that film. Uh, Yeah, that's about 10% of the film's budget uh, made back (laughs) at the box office. So that movie bombed hard. Also out that year, uh, Big Top Pee Wee, Ernest Saves Christmas, And the first in Naked Gun films. As far as awards go, uh, Rain Man kind of took a lot of the big ones. So Rain Man won uh, Best Film, Best Director for Barry Levinson, and Best Actor for Dustin Hoffman. Best Actress at the Oscars that year went to Jodie Foster for The Accused. Best Supporting Actor went to Kevin Kline for A Fish Called Wanda. And Best Supporting Actress went to Gina Davis for The Accidental Tourist. Moving on to TV, lots of interesting things happening in television that year. Uh, Nick Jr. debuted on Nickelodeon as well as Shark Week, uh, not on Nickelodeon. The Wonder Years made its debut on ABC in America. And that is really important when you think about it. Uh, as I always like to talk about nostalgia, right? This is a show about the 60s done in the late 80s, right? That 20 year gap. That, hey, remember when you were a kid? This is nothing new. This is nothing new to the internet age. This exists perpetually, I feel like, or at least in modern post-industrial, uh, post-World War II times, uh, that, that idea that uh, things were better when you were younger, right? So as I've, as I've said a lot recently, nostalgia is a hell of a drug, right? Well, The Wonder Years debuted in 1988. Other events in television. Uh, Roseanne debuts. Uh, Lori Laughlin joins the cast of Full House. Tasha Yar is killed off on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, St. Elsewhere has its finale, a very famous one, where we find out the... Uh, I'm spoiling a 40-year-old show, but, uh, you know, you had 40 years. Uh, we find out that uh, the show itself took place in the mind of an autistic child staring into a snow globe. Like, that's the last scene of saying elsewhere and from that is a neat little internet thing people have concluded that a good chunk of tv and movies exists inside of this kid's head uh because Sane elsewhere had crossed over with other shows uh such as i think homicide life on the street or no uh was it homicide maybe richard belzer is kind of a a, a through uh through point uh, through a lot of these which then crosses over into law and order which then crosses over characters into other things um or mentions of shows that exist in those worlds that exist in the real world uh leading to to one make people wonder if we all just exist inside this child's mind uh so yeah uh check out the, the uh, finale of seeing elsewhere one day uh, and then start digging into that uh you'll be uh you'll prepare to have your mind blown all right, elsewhere in TV, a couple other things. Uh, Geraldo Rivera gets punched in the nose and gets his nose broken on air. Uh, this is only important in, in the context of Transformers because this is who um, Hector Ramirez is based off of uh, in, in the G1 cartoon. So, uh, yeah, go look that up. That's a fun one. Uh, plus, a Mystery Science Theater made its debut on a small station in Minnesota. And uh, swinging back to cultural consciousness. Check out this clip. From My Two Dads, where the characters are playing with a G1 six shot. That's very nice. What is it? <laughs> what is it? Judge. See, it starts off as a robot. You twist this, you turn this, and pow, it's a lunar rocket launcher. So when the aliens invade, you just flip this thing out here, and those laser cannons pop out. and- <laughs> Will Ben ever get to play with it? (laughs) Yeah, we got one for Joey, too. Thanks, guys. I got you something, too. It's a savings bond. You open this, you unfold this, and in six years, it turns into 50 bucks. Ah! Now, shifting to animation, a couple of things, beginnings, endings. The film Akira was released in Japan. Gem. Ends in 1988. Garfield and Friends debuts, which features Greg Berger, voice of Grimlock, as the voice of Odie. Bravestar, the movie, gets released on VHS. Uh, Shows based off of popular TV and movies become children's cartoons, such as Police Academy, Alf, Ed Grimley, and RoboCop, the animated series. Cops. Cops. Central Organization of Police Specialists. Fighting Crime. In a future time. Debuts uh, on TV. As well as Scooby-Doo returning in a younger form as a pup named Scooby-Doo. Which has this line that I tend to quote. There's a running gag in the show where they they think they've found the the villain. And it's always uh, this poor kid. It's obvious to me that the ice demon has got to be none other than Red Harry. As far as shows ending... Care Bears, Flintstone Kids, and Dennis the Menace all end also in 1988 along with Jim. At the Emmy Awards that year, Wonder Years took home Best Comedy its first season, Uh, whereas uh, 30-something took home Best Drama. Best Actor in a Comedy Series went to Michael J. Fox. Best Actor in a Drama Series went to Richard Kiley for a show called A Year in the Life. Best Actress in a Comedy Series went to B. Arthur. Best Actress in a... Drama Series went to Tyne Daly. We'll talk more about both of those in a little bit. Best Supporting Actor was John Larroquette for Night Court. And Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series was Larry Drake for L.A. Law. Supporting Actress, Estelle Getty won for Golden Girls. And Patricia Wedig won for 30-something. Now, a lot of neat little trivia facts about that year in terms of the Emmy Awards. Tyne Daly won the year after her co-star in Cagney and Lacey. Sharon Glass won in the same exact category. B. Arthur and Estelle Getty's wins uh, would round out the main cast of Golden Girls for all four cast members winning an Emmy for their performance on that series, with Rue McClanahan taking it a year prior in 1987, and Betty White taking it a year prior to that in 1986. Patricia Wedig's win would be the first of three in that role, and three over the course of four years, and John Larroquette took home his fourth consecutive Emmy nomination for playing Dan Fielding in Night Court. He was so dominant in that category that he would ask not to be considered the following year uh, to allow other people to win the award. Now, moving back to cartoons, I love talking about the TV Labs, the TV landscape of 1988 when we talk about what was on the air. How did it play out on screen? Because you got to remember, no YouTube, no internet. Only when you watch something over is if you taped it and you had to be there to tape it. So we'll, we're going to break down New York uh, weekday, uh, because that's where I grew up. That's where I know the stations. Plus, there were three stations uh, that you could take advantage of as far as having cartoon program in the morning, pre-cable, by the way, pre-cartoon network, right? So, New York, you had WNEW, which would eventually become the local Fox affiliate. You had WPIX, which would become uh, the local CW affiliate. And then you had WWOR, which would lo- later become like the local... Uh, um, UPN affiliate uh I don't think UPN's a thing anymore right it'd be like uh I don't even know what they call it now uh, my something right it's my9 uh, now but I digress these were the syndicated stations these were the stations that were not the big four networks um well, I guess Fox was a network at that point but the big three networks plus Fox um so starting at 6 a.m and we I picked a, a week in September to try to find when new shows came on, right? So starting at 6 a.m. on WPIX Channel 11, you had Tom and Jerry on Tuesdays only. Uh, And WNEW had Plastic Man or Popeye, depending on the day. And WWOR Channel 9, you had The Snorks. Half hour later, WPIX had Spiral Zone versus WNEW having Popeye and the Flintstones and WWOR also having Popeye. WPIX 7 a.m., has the Smurfs with Gem at 7.30. WNEW, Fox 5, switches to news, so they go to Good Day New York at that point uh, for the rest of the morning. So they're done with cartoons by 7. WWOR has Beverly Hills Teens at 7 and the Jetsons at 7.30. Switching to 8 o'clock, we have, and I'll go 8 to 9, uh, all the way through to 9.30, right? We got on uh, WPIX, G.I. Joe, Bionic 6, Transformers. So that's their morning animation block. Now, Transformers is on at 9, in new york in 1988 now why is that bad let's talk about that as a new york city public school kid public schools went to school later than the private schools we started later in the day but we started at like 8 40 in the morning so that meant if you live close to school or if you had to take a bus like you were out of the house before eight o'clock or around 8, 8 15 so you weren't Maybe you caught half of G.I. Joe. You weren't catching Bionic 6, and you sure weren't catching Transformers unless you were homesick. So that's that's a wasted slot. That is a half hour every day of a show that nobody's watching that in the Target demo. Uh, so it's basically kids under five would be watching it because they wouldn't be in school, kids who weren't homesick and parents who weren't at work were probably not watching that. On the flip side, the competition w, uh, WOR had... Gumby, My Little Pony, and Care Bears. So again, like this is throwaway programming at this point, right? Because it it is one of the lowest rated times of the day in the 1980s, pre-internet, pre-work from home, right? There is not a big audience, especially for kids who aren't even home at this point of the day in this time of the year. So this is the beginning of the death knell. For for Transformers as a brand, and even for GI, a little bit for GI Joe, right? Because this is early in the morning. Well, Anthony, you're saying to me, well, what about the afternoon blocks? So, as a reminder, if you're new to the show, uh, the afternoon blocks in the '80s usually took place for from, for about three, two to three hours, depending on the station. Start around, uh, could start as early as two o'clock. It generally started at three o'clock and it ran until five, and that was for all the latchkey kids like myself coming home from school and come home to either do your homework or play or whatever, but not necessarily going out. Um, and so there would be these solid blocks of cartoons. And if you're wondering why a lot of us in our mid forties now are obsessed with these shows, it's because this is what we came home to while we waited for our parents to come home from work. Um, so starting at two o'clock on, we'll do WPIX first WPIX channel 11 in New York. Uh, Nothing at 2 o'clock, nothing, well, nothing, no program, no children's program at 2 o'clock. 2.30 started it with Heathcliff, Ghostbusters, then at 3.30, Yogi the Yogi Bear show. 4 o'clock was Cops, Fighting Crime in a Future Time, and then 4.30 was a game show called Finders Keepers. Its main competition, WNEW Channel 5, had Popeye at 2 o'clock. At 2.30, they had the real Ghostbusters. At 3 o'clock, they had Alvin and the Chipmunks. At 3.30 was DuckTales. At 4 o'clock, Double Dare. And 5 o'clock, another game show called Funhouse. So they, the Double Dare thing was really taking off. So Double Dare was a huge hit. So now you see like between Double Dare and Fire Keepers and Funhouse, these are shows that were um, copying the Double Dare formula uh, and and trying to build off of that kind of popularity. Uh, WNEW Channel 9 did not have children's programming in the afternoon, so uh, big X is all around for that. I do think it's kind of cool that you could go from 3 o'clock watching the real Ghostbusters, um, watching Ghostbusters, the not real Ghostbusters, the Filmation ones, on Channel 11, to watching the real Ghostbusters, oh no, other way around. Go at 2.30 watching Channel 5, (laughs) the real Ghostbusters, and then at 3, watch the Filmation Ghostbusters, (laughs) On Channel 11. Now let's talk about Saturday mornings. right? Because Saturday mornings was another big block. For children's cartoons. Again uh, for the younger folks. Saturday mornings was like. The time to watch cartoons. Like There was basically from 6am to noon. There were cartoons. On almost every channel. Um, And I don't even know. How complete this information is. Because I feel like some of the blocks. Might not have been planned. But I'm just going to assume certain blocks were an hour long. Uh, or back-to-back episodes so let's start and i mean i've got lineups here for one two three four five six six networks all right we'll start with nbc uh 6 a.m was animated classics i'm assuming this is kind of the um the bugs bunny or uh stuff from the 30s that were pre uh movie kind of things i don't know if it was popeye i don't know if it was uh uh, Warner Brothers, but it was something. At 7 a.m. was a show called Kid Song at 7.30, another show called Hickory Hideout. These are more kids-themed kind of puppet uh, Sesame Street-style shows. But cartoons kicked off at 8. We had Kissy Fur on at 8 o'clock, Gummy Bears at 8.30, Smurfs for an hour at 9 o'clock, Alf the cartoon for an hour at 10 o'clock, Alvin and Chipmunks at 11, uh, the Ed Grimley cartoon at 11.30, and then they'd switch over to news programming at noon. CBS started off at 6.30 in the morning with uh, Patchwork Family, another um, puppet children's show that started from 6.30 to 7. So that was for an hour at 7.30. They had a show called Young Universe, which I'm going to assume is a science program, and then cartoons kicked off at 8 o'clock with Raggedy Ann and Andy. Superman, Muppet Babies at 9 for an hour. Pee-wee's Playhouse at 10. Garfield and Friends at 10.30. Hey, Vern, It's Ernest at 11.00. And then Flip, which I can only assume is the Flip Wilson show um, at 11.30, and then Mighty Mouse at 12. ABC kicked off their children's programming at 6.30 in the morning with Wild Kingdom at 6.30, Uncle Waldo at 7, and a show called King Leonardo at 7.30. 8 o'clock was a show called Benny and Cecil, and 8.30 is when Winnie the Pooh came on. Uh, that would run for an hour, and then at 9.30, you get an hour and a half of real Ghostbusters? That can't be right. Um, but that's that's the TV guide thing I went through, and we're just going to assume that's what it was. Then at 11 to 12, they had Bugs Bunny for an hour. Over on Fox, cartoons kicked off at 6.30 with Danger Mouse, followed by Plastic Man, then a show called... Cybervision, S Y B E R V I S I O N. I don't know what that is. I haven't looked it up. I'm going to assume it's a science show. At 8 o'clock, there was a show called World Tomorrow. <laughs> so the, actually, it's funny because Fox doesn't really go into cartoon programming after this, right? So, from what I could find, there was a show at 8 o'clock called World Tomorrow, which I'm going to assume is a science program. At 8.30, we're Get Smart Reruns. Um, I don't have pro information for 9 or 9.30, so I can only assume that's a an hour and a half block of Get Smart Reruns. And then at 10, you got an hour of WWF, at the time, now WWE, wrestling. Uh, and then they went to news programming and movies after that. WPIX, uh, for the most part, didn't do a lot by way of cartoons uh, on Saturdays. 7 a.m. and 7.30 was Bravestar. 8 a.m. Visionaries. 8.30 Captain Power. And then they did wrestling at 9. And then from 9.30 to 11.30 were uh, news and information programs. And then they did wrestling again at noon. So another thing to note here, wrestling becoming very big in 1988. Finally, WWOR had uh, a solid 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 2, 9 o'clock. They had a two-hour block of the future, uh, the Fantastic World of Hanna Barbera. So they ran Hanna Barbera cartoons for a solid two hours, followed by Superman for an hour, and then I don't know if that's the cartoon. That might have been the 1950s TV series because that's followed by Buck Rogers for an hour and Great, uh, the Greatest American Hero for an hour. Um, so it's all programming involving real actors and real people and not animations, right? Uh, 12 o'clock was uh, the three stooges for an hour and then at one o'clock and I just want to bring this up because it is a big thing wrestling was huge in 1988 Um, wrestling kicked off at one o'clock so you had three different networks in New York showing wrestling at different hours of the morning that's a good chance for us to pivot to the world of sports right so wrestling was big in 1988 in in fact uh, so big that Ted Turner uh, ended up buying a company called NWA wrestling and then Making it into uh, the WCW in 1988, uh, in the WWF at the time, uh, where they had the first Royal Rumble, the first Summer Slam. Saturday Night's main event became the main event and became a primetime special on NBC. Uh, in the world of baseball, the Cubs hosted their first night game at Wrigley Field um, when they were the last team to install lights in their stadium, uh, and so they were the first team first night game. Uh, became a big deal uh, for the Cubs on the north side of Chicago. The Dodgers beat the A's in five games in the World Series and is probably most remembered for this. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A great thing is if you ever see this clip uh, on YouTube or on TV, uh, when Kirk Gibson's home run goes out in right field, watch above the stands because LA is known for its horrible traffic and, uh, the Dodgers are losing. So people were totally leaving that game, trying to beat the traffic. And as that ball goes out, there's probably people in the parking lot listening on the radio going, okay, well, we'll just see what happens. We'll listen on the radio as we drive home. And you can hear, you could see brake lights turning on as that ball goes out. Also for the Dodgers that year, Oral Hirschheiser set the scoreless inning streak uh, for a pitcher. It was 54 innings, if I remember right. Uh, That has yet to be broken. He's basically threw 54 consecutive innings without allowing a run uh, to end the season. Over in the NFL, the uh, Washington football team, uh, then known as the Redskins, beat the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. Doug Williams became the first African-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Edmonton Oilers beat the Boston Bruins for the Stanley Cup. The Lakers beat the Pistons in the NBA Finals in seven games. And in the NCAA Basketball Men's Tournament, aka March Madness, uh, Kansas defeated Oklahoma. In tennis, women's tennis, Steffi Graf won all four Grand Slam titles to win the Golden Slam. Boxing undefeated Mike Tyson, defeated, then undefeated Michael Spinks in 91 seconds. Now let me give you context for how fast 91 seconds is it is one second longer than the time mike tyson the video game character is throwing one hit knockdown punches in mike tyson's punch out he throws them for 90 seconds this was 91 seconds and he knocked out another actual human Now, speaking of video games, another thing that was huge in 1988, in fact, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, was the biggest, hottest toy of that Christmas season. What is the number one bestseller this Christmas season? Nintendo. It's hot. It's very hot. When was the last time you saw a toy move like this? The only thing that we can think of, and it was probably even more intense, uh, was the Cabbage Patch. This interactive TV video system has any number of games this year's most popular Super Mario Brothers 2 about two mustachioed Italian janitors who undergo hammer-swinging turtles and lava balls, man-eating plants, all in order to save a mushroom princess. Would you believe it? In the world of video games, uh, a lot of sequels that year. Super Mario Brothers 2 came out in the U.S. Super Mario Brothers 3 came out in Japan. Mega Man 2, Contra came to the NES. Over on the Sega Master System... Fantasy Star 1 came out that would launch a series of sequels on its own in the arcade. The first version of Tetris hit American arcades and Altered Beast hit the arcade. Rise from your grave. It's probably worth noting um, as I was doing my research to start figuring out 1988 um, this is this begins a long drought of uh, lack of Transformers video games. The ones we have, you know, we have a lot actually right now, give or take, there's usually two or three or four out there between mobile gaming and console gaming. Uh, there were no video games for Transformers in 1988. Now, we still have a lot to talk about. We got, uh music and comics and, and what's to come on this show. And we're going to get to it right after this. Hey, want to help out this podcast or the website tfu.info? There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind the scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up, it's quick and easy. Just swing on by to tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. Like to contribute, go to TFU.info slash help for a list of what we need, or send an email to info at tfu.info. TFU.info, the alpha trion, and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. All right, let's talk a little bit about music. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted the Beach Boys, the Beatles, the Drifters, Bob Dylan, and the Supremes. Uh, this was the third year of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, for me just to read that the beatles were not like in the first year blows my mind um it, it, they're the beatles they're the standard by which every piece of music since 1963 has been compared in in albums released in 1988 we had the first album i ever bought on cassette the jazzy transform Oh yeah, of course it has a Transformers reference in it, right? That is DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Will Smith, with He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper, and I'm going to tell you, that album slaps. Oh wow! Also released that year, Eric Clapton's Crossroads, Iron Maiden's Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, Queensryche's Operation Mind Crime, Poison's Open Up and Say Ah, Van Halen's OU812, Paul Abdul's Forever Your Girls, and I know you've got an autographed DJ Sketcat photo somewhere, New Kids on the Block released Hanging Tough, Bon Jovi released New Jersey, and Metallica deleted all the bass tracks to Injustice for All. Grammys that year. U2 won for Best Album for Joshua Tree. Record of the year was Graceland by Paul Simon, and Song of the Year was Somewhere Out There by Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram from the film An American Tale. So animation playing a part in the Grammy Awards as well and in popular music. Now on the charts, Steve Winwood's role with it spent four weeks at number one. And March saw this song from 1987 finally hit number one for two weeks. Up, yep, and that song will just just never go away, huh? You could say, it's we're never going to give it up. On to the world of the comics. Batman, The Killing Joke is published. Venom makes his debut in Amazing Spider-Man number 300. The X-Men titles have their annual crossover with Inferno, Death's Head gets his own book, and Marvel debuts Excalibur, Punisher War Journal, and Wolverine's uh, standalone series. And with comics, we're going to swing back to what we can expect for Transformers in 1988. We're going to have to cover a lot of comics uh, in the coming episodes. Now, my episode plan for 1988 uh, actually covers about 40 episodes. It's actually more than 1987 because there's a lot of TV programming in here. But TV programming, you say, Anthony, there's no season five. There's only season four of new episodes of Transformers, and you are correct. So, But th- we will need to wrap up the rest of the Headmasters series, uh, including one of the, the most uh, important episodes for Transformers fandom uh, in the Headmasters episode, uh, I Risk My Life for Earth. Trust me, we'll get to it. Um, I don't know if any of the events are terribly consequential, but the, the episode is lived in infamy among transformers fans so we've got stuff from all over the world including uh stuff to talk about from argentina and europe and japan uh we're going to talk about two japanese cartoon series uh in headmasters and the, the ending of that plus master force which is the next sequel and does run about 35 episodes uh into the year from from beginning to end um We're going to talk comics, as I mentioned. We have Marvel US, another 12 issues to talk about. We'll do the Underbase saga. We'll meet Pretenders, finally, which we'll also talk about in the toy show. And then uh, Marvel UK, as always, has their run of comics I've never read. And we'll talk about the Legacy of Unicron uh, series of stories and a number of others. And, of course, we'll do all the standard things that we do, the buy-the-numbers, the, the merchant online fandom stories. Uh, there's even two Ladybird books to cover in 1988. So th- with all that, we've got a lot of work cut out for us in 1988 before we get to 1989, right? Honestly, it's going to be a fun time. This is a, an interesting period in Transformers because it is the, really the beginning of the end of G1. Uh, but there are important characters, important concepts, Um important toys that all come out of this year, and I cannot wait to talk about it all with you. But what are we talking about next time on Transformers University? I'm going to tell you right after this. Thanks for listening to the show. Stick around to hear what's coming up next episode. But first, I want to fill you in on a few ways you can stay in touch with the show. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at T-F-U underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username T-F-U info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest running transforming toy archive. Now that will wrap up our what I like to call the scene setter episode of 1988. We're going to shift into 1988 starting with our next episode uh right into the content. And we're going to continue our look into the Headmaster's cartoon series. We're only going to talk about two episodes to re- two episodes of number 24 and number 25 but i will tell you a very famous and important transformers character dies in one of these episodes i haven't watched it yet but i just know this from the title <laughs> so what is it you'll just have to either cheat and look on tf wiki or find out next time on the show so until then you can catch up with me on twitter at tfu underscore info and just about everywhere else as tfu info all one word and on the web at www.tfu.info you can also catch me on some of the newer social media platforms including Threads, Blue Sky, and Mastodon uh, at retro.pizza until next time I am your host Anthony Brucali, owner, operator madman behind tfu.info see you.